0: I wanted to speak today on miracles in the process because I believe we are all busy with a process, and in that process, there can be a miracle. And that's what's so important, that if our hearts are open to what God wants, there can be a miracle that can take place in the process. Now, two weeks ago, on the 5th of June, Professor Pitufari shared a word in which he spoke about the dominoes and the different things that God has opened up for us, us as a church. But at the end, he, he ended with these words, and I'm quoting. He says, the Lord is saying to this leadership, I can trust you. Therefore, I entrust you with more, and your borders will extend. Your cup will run over exceedingly so that you cannot contain it at all. Then he said these words, he said, like the prophet who said to the lady, bring cups and holders and fill it with oil. The Lord is saying, do that and I will fill it all. I will extend what I have done here over and over and over. The Lord said, I will do it over and over for where the brethren are there, I've commanded my blessing. Here is the word of the Lord today. And it got me thinking about that particular story. The story of this lady and these cups and these containers. And if you'd like to turn there so long, you can turn. It's in 2 Kings chapter 4, and it's the first seven verses. But it's a very interesting story, and I'm going to read it in a moment. And I believe that there are some wonderful lessons that you and I can just take out of this story. And it ties in with a word that the Lord has given us as a congregation. So I believe it applies to us, and I believe it can apply to us as individuals as well. It's in 2 Kings chapter 4, and it's from verse 1 to 7, and I'm reading from the Living Bible in case it sounds a bit different to what's uh, on your page. It says, one day the wife of one of the seminary students came to Elisha to tell him of her husband's death. He was a man who had loved God, she said, but he had owed some money when he died. And now the creditor was demanding it back. If she didn't pay, he said he would take her two sons as his slaves. What shall I do? Elisha asked. How much food do you have in your house? Nothing at all. "'Except a jar of olive oil,' she replied. "'Then borrow many pots and pans from your neighbors and friends,' he instructed. "'Go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. "'Then pour olive oil from your jar into the pots and pans, "'setting them aside as they are filled.' "'So she did.' Her sons brought the pots and pans to her, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was filled to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to her sons. There aren't any more, they told her, and then the oil stopped flowing. When she told the prophet what had happened, he said to her, go and sell the oil and pay your debt and there will be enough money left for you and your sons to live on. Isn't it a beautiful story? It just speaks of the father heart of God. The Bible says that God will be a father to the fatherless and a judge and a protector of the widow. And it's such a picture of the father heart of God. It has this dramatic effect and then it has this wonderful answer and then it has this little twist at the end. And for me, in each of those things, there's, there's something amazing for us to learn. And the first thing I see is that this family was facing issues. This family was facing issues. I wonder how many are here today and you say, I'm facing a few issues. A few of you. <laughs> this family was facing issues. And the issues were really serious. And for me, as I see how they respond to these issues and what they do, it's just a remarkable story. In verse 1, it says, One day the wife of one of the seminary students came to Elisha to tell him of her husband's death. Well, that's bad enough. And then it says, He was a man who had loved God, she said, but he had owed some money when he died and now the creditor was demanding it back and if she didn't pay, he said he would take her two sons as slaves. I mean, that's some issues to deal with. I mean, you, you might think you've got a few problems today. This poor lady, she really had problems. Firstly, she was prematurely widowed. Secondly, she had excessive debts. Now, the funny thing was that the debts were made by her husband, not by her. But when her husband died, the responsibility of those debts shifted to her. It was beyond her control. Nothing she could do about it. In addition to that, she was being threatened. And the threat was that her sons would be taken as slaves. you picture it. On top of that, she had no provision. She was desperate. And here she is, and and she's got all these things that are going on. And you know, sometimes in our own lives, we can go through seasons where it can feel like the wheels are coming off, can feel like we're up against tremendous odds. And sometimes we've... We have things in our lives that we think make it impossible for God to be real to us. And here she was facing this difficult situation. Maybe you've been through a difficult situation. A divorce, a bankruptcy, an accident, ill health, I don't know what it may be. But don't let those things get in the way of what God has for you. Don't let those things get in the way of what God has for you. Because God can use the challenges that we face as an opportunity for a miracle. And in the process, a miracle can take place. The second thing I saw was that this lady knew where to go. She had a problem and she knew where to go. In those days, the the prophet was really the epitome or the picture of God's presence on earth. He was the man of God. He was... the the one who was in contact with God. And she knew where to go. And for me, there's a lesson just in that. She goes to the representation of God. And I believe you and I, when we are facing issues, must always go back to God. We must always go back to Him. In verse 1, it says, One day the wife of one of the seminary students came to Elisha. She knew where to go. And sometimes when we have problems, we look in the wrong places. We turn to the wrong things. Maybe we think, oh, well, some palm reader can help me. Maybe if I read the horoscope, it can help me. Maybe if I make more debt, it can help me. And we look in the wrong places. For the help that we need, this lady knew where to go. And you and I, we must always run to God. No matter what the issue is. And I believe he should be our first port of call and not our last resort. And I'm so glad this lady set that example as she goes to the prophet. And then I see the third thing is that God uses what we have. And if you go and read in verse 2, firstly, we see Elisha's response. He says, what shall I do? Elisha asked. And sometimes I think when we're facing difficulties or challenges, we should ask that same question. What shall I do? And we must ask the Lord, Lord, what shall I do? Because he says he will give wisdom to those who lack wisdom. And he, I believe, will show us what to do. And I believe it's a good place to start. But then he comes up with this and he says, what have you got in your house? That's what the prophet says to this lady. What have you got in your house? If you go and look in the, in the older translations, it says there, tell me, what hast thou in the house? And the truth of the matter is, we may think we have nothing, but there's always something. There's always something that we can bring to the Lord. But look at her response. She says, nothing at all. Go and read it for yourself. It says there, she say, he says, how much food do you have in your house? Nothing at all, she says. And oftentimes, when we're going through difficulties, we think, I have nothing at all. There is nothing for me to give. There is nothing that I can do. But there's always something. She says, except this jar of olive oil. And so she identifies this one thing that she has in her house. And I believe God always wants to use what we have. Maybe there's a talent or a gifting or a... An ability within you. Well, God wants to use that. The next thing I see is that God speaks. And I believe when God speaks, we need to listen. It's so important that we do that. I remember years ago, it was in 1995, when we went as a family to America and we spent time with Rodney Howard Brown at a conference in Louisville, Kentucky. And my mom and dad had been invited, and Rodney had paid their airfare. And so my father felt to make it a family trip. And so we were all going to go with, and then we were going to go to the conference, and then we were going to tour America. So it was a case of getting through the conference so that we could tour. Well, that's at least as I felt it was. And here we had to, you know, sit in the second row with my mom and dad and all these leaders. And I had to sit and watch... um, Oral Roberts' son, Richard Roberts, standing at the podium unable to speak. I had to watch Marley Kelly standing there with the backtrack going unable to sing. And I was watching all this and I had battled with the move of God. I had felt that it had done damage to our church. And so I had battled. And so I was just wishing the day away. But you know, in the middle of all that, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I'm going to change your heart. I'm going to take out the heart of stone and I'm going to put in a heart of flesh. Well, I didn't think there was anything wrong with my heart. I was just waiting for the conference to get over so we could go touring Disney. I mean, what's wrong with that? But you know, the Lord had begun to work in my heart and I didn't know what was coming and what I would have to go through and the depth of what I would have to go through Because of his work within me. And I want to tell you when God speaks, we must take note of what he says. And so here the the prophet gives the lady this instruction. Here comes the instruction in verse 3. It says, Then borrow many pots and pans from your friends and neighbors, he instructed. What a ridiculous instruction. She's just told him that all I have is a little bit of oil. And here he says, go out and borrow pots and pans and containers from from your neighbors. It seems like a ridiculous instruction. And and it must have been confusing for this lady. She thinks, I've got problems here. I don't need more problems with other people's pots and pans. I don't need to be scratching in other people's podcaster. I don't need to be doing this. I've got a problem here. Can't you see I've got a problem but in the meantime, here comes the instruction. I don't want to do that. Why must I? Don't you see I've got a problem? But it's the most amazing thing, this instruction that comes through. The next thing I see is that when God works, he first works inside of us. The miracle that God has in store for us usually starts deep inside of us. Go to verse 4. So here comes the next instruction. It says, go into your house. Now you've just collected all the pots and pans from the neighbor's houses. They're all wondering what on earth is this poor widow lady up to? And here comes the instruction. Go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. You know, oftentimes when God does a miracle, it starts in the secret place. It starts deep within our hearts. He begins to work with us behind the door. Where nobody can see what you're going through. Where nobody can see the struggle. Where nobody can see the desperation. It's part of the process. Now she's in this house with the doors shut with her sons and pots and pans from everybody. And now she has to take this little container and start pouring it. And she doesn't know what's going to happen. She's got to put her faith out there. But you know what? the time of testing came the time came when she had to pour that out and you see it was in that process that something wonderful happened it was in the process that the miracle of this provision began to unfold and i believe for every one of us there comes that time of testing deep within our own hearts and i want to encourage you pass the tests Come out on the other side because the provision will be there for you. And the test was obedience. Would they do this ridiculous thing? It reminds me a little bit of another story in the Old Testament about a man who had leprosy. And he came to the prophet and the prophet said, go down to the river and bathe seven times. And he thought, that dirty river? I must go and bathe seven times. Don't they know who I am? And a little maidservant came and said, do it. Do it. And eventually he put his pride in his pocket and he went down and he, he bathed in the river. And after that, the leprosy was gone. The miracle was in the process. And so we see this obedience in verse 5. It says these three words, so she did and I I want to encourage you do what God tells you to do we were I was going through a very difficult time in my own life after my father passed away and my father had always been a great encouragement to me he would always encourage me and after that the encouragement fell away and hostility came in its place and I had to contend with hostility not encouragement And eventually I was craving encouragement. And I began to feel the Lord say to me, give that which you desire the most. Give of that which you desire the most. I said, how can I give encouragement? That's a ridiculous thing to ask me, Lord. I'm not in a position. But you know what? I stepped out and began to be an encouragement to others. And out of that came an entire ministry that today is such a blessing in my life and in the life of many others. At the time it seemed like a ridiculous request from the Lord. It seemed like the strangest thing but I'm so th- I'm so thankful that I obeyed because what happened next was the miracle. As she poured the oil it continued to flow, it continued to flow. And it says in verse 6 it says soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to her sons. Can you see now? She says, ah, I can see what's happening here. I can see what's happening. Bring another one. Bring another one. And the miracle just begins to unfold. It also reminds me of the story of the five loaves and the two fishes. Where as the disciples began to take those little bits of food and hand them out, they began to multiply and thousands of people were fed. It's in that moment, and I believe the miracle happens in that process as we begin to obey and we begin to do what God says, but I told you the story takes a strange turn. You might have thought, what am I I talking about? Well, then an interesting thing happens in verse 6. It says, bring me another jar, she said to her sons, there aren't any more. They told her, and the oil stopped flowing. I can think of nothing worse. For the oil to stop flowing. I wonder if in that moment they were so excited about all this provision that they... Didn't really concern themselves with that. I don't know. You see, the oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And the oil of the anointing and the presence of God in our lives will start flowing as we give ourselves to God. And it will stop flowing when there's no more space in our hearts for it. And I don't want that to happen. I don't want to be somebody who says, well, I lived through the revival in the 70s, and I lived through the revival in the 90s, and I've been there and done that and got the t-shirt, and it's been wonderful, I can tell you all about it. I want more than that. I don't want the oil to stop flowing in my life. And you know what? We don't need to. As we continually give God space, as we, as we continually make our lives available to Him, I believe that oil can continue to flow. It doesn't need to stop. Don't let it stop. Whatever you do, don't think, oh, well, I've seen it all. Don't think like that. Think, God, there's more. I've got more of myself to open to you. I've got, there's more space. I'm going to make more space. Because I believe as we do that, the oil can keep flowing. Keep on giving yourself to God. Because God has the miracle that you need. God had what this lady needed. Go and read in verse 7. When she told the prophet what had happened, he said to her, Go and sell the oil and pay your debts. And there will be enough money left over for you and your sons to live on. Isn't that beautiful? It's a picture of provision. When God does the miracle, He will move you from obscurity into the public eye. Don't you move yourself out of obscurity. And into the public eye until he has done his miracle. Sometimes we so long for the the visible thing. Let him do that miracle within you, and when the time is right, it will be visible. This lady was able to come out with this huge supply of oil, and everybody knew about the miracle. Because she had to go around and sell the oil. She had to take it out there to others and sell that oil so that there could be provision. And for me, that's, it's a wonderful thing. In the process, I believe their lives were changed. And in that moment, this whole thing goes public. And there's nothing so beautiful as when something goes public in the fullness of time. There's something so beautiful about that. And now, the debts could be paid. There could be provision. But the miracle had stopped. And they now lived on stored provision. Stored provision is a wonderful thing. Make sure you have stored provision. But make sure you do everything in your power to keep the oil flowing. In your own life, you know I. I never just want to live on stored provision. I want to live on that living flow, that can only come from God, and I want to live in the constant flow of the oil of God, and His precious Holy Spirit in my life. I never want the oil to stop flowing. And I believe as I make myself available to God and as I open myself up continually, that oil can continue to flow. That oil can flow in my life. It can flow in your life. I wonder how many people are sitting here when it comes to spiritual things. You really are living on stored provision. You've been through some wonderful experiences in your life, some wonderful touches and visitations from God, and it is wonderful. We rejoice in that. But are you experiencing that flow of oil in your life? Is it happening for you? And if perhaps it's not like it used to be, then I believe we can take a moment and just open ourselves up afresh and say, God, I'm here afresh with these containers, this, this container, my heart and my life and my, my mind and my soul. And, and here I am, I lift it up to you. Will you come and just fill it again? Will you come and let that wonderful oil of your holy spirit just flow over my life again. Will you do a miracle in the process as I trust you today that I would not thirst again. That I wouldn't just live on stored provision but that I would know the life-giving flow of God in my life. And so Lord, we thank you for the miracles you are doing in the process of each one of our lives. Sometimes we don't understand what we're going through, but we know that we can always turn to you, we know that we can always come to you, that you always want to use what we have, that you're always willing to speak to us, and we declare, Lord, work within us first, behind those closed doors, so that the miracle in the end can be public, something that honors you, we choose to obey you, And we look forward to this ongoing flow and these ongoing miracles in our lives. And so now, Lord, we just extend our hands to just receive from you. We say, Lord, forgive us sometimes for trying to run on our own oil and our own steam or even on that oil that you've given us through the years. But today we declare, we choose the living, flowing oil from the living God. We choose that in our lives. We open ourselves up. We heal ourselves to you. We say, here's another container, Lord. Would you fill it up? Here's another container, Lord. Would you fill it up? Would you do a miracle with each, within each one of us? And we thank you for that today. We thank you for that life-giving flow in, in our hearts today. May that well be uncorked today. May those wells that have been stopped up because of challenges and difficulties and hurdles, may they today be released. And may that flow begin to flow again. And we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.